Fishing Stories is brought to you by Rep Your Water. For those of you who don't know, we are the co-founders of Rep Your Water, a design-driven apparel company dedicated to providing high-quality gear for anglers everywhere. My current favorite piece in the line is our retro camo merino blend sun hoodie. It breathes incredibly well, blocks the sun on hot days, and is also a perfect base layer. And you drew the camo pattern yourself, which makes it even more unique. Ah, that's right. <laughs> I'm always going to pick our merino socks as my favorite. We have a nice variety of options for styles, and they are excellent for all seasons. Check out the full collection at www.repyourwater.com. I'm Garrison Doctor. And I'm Corinne Doctor. And this is Fishing Stories. And today we are joined by Autumn Harry out of Kuiuipa'a. And if I am not mistaken, you are the first Indigenous female guide out there. Is that right? I am, yes. Um, so I'll go ahead and do my my intro. Haumu, no Autumn Harry Minania, no Kuyui Papananaroi, no Kuyui Takata, a guy Takata Dene, no. So that was me introducing myself in Paiute. So um, my name is Autumn Harry. I'm a member of the Pyramid Lake Paiute tribe. I think a lot of your listeners have heard of Pyramid Lake. Um, we're based in Northern Nevada, it's a Paiute territory. And um, yeah, I actually became a fishing guide, an official fishing guide in January of 2022. Um, so I, I just wrapped up my second season uh, last month and it's been an incredible journey already. But yeah. yes, I am, I am the first Paiute woman fly fishing guide uh, here at the lake. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Well, we're so happy to have you here because you're exactly right. I think so many people in the States like know of Pyramid Lake and I think most people just go and use the lake and don't use guides necessarily or not using indigenous guides and every person that I've seen write a review of fishing with you is like Autumn knows everything she teaches so much so selfishly we're kind of hoping you can share some of that along with just some fun fishing stories yeah, yeah of course and we did go fish Kuyupa without a guide and had a great time so we are those people as well so we need you to teach us some things yeah i think it's uh, it's pretty amazing um i've noticed that i've i'm attracting like a certain type of clientele too and it's all people who are very open to learning and who are trying to do their research about the history about the fish and the lake before they even travel to our homelands here um, so that's been really exciting. And, you know, it's people who are just like asking questions throughout the day. And so um, it, it's a fun mixture of not only teaching um, fly fishing, but also just having these really great conversations um, that are helping to further educate people uh, when they're visiting. Yeah, I love that. I personally usually get into trouble for asking too many questions. You get into trouble with me, not with the person that's answering. Yeah. Sometimes with the guides too. It's like, all right, Garrison, like let's fish a little bit, everybody. I'm like, but is this a seasonal thing? Where do these fish come from? When do they spawn? Da da da. And they're like, okay, settle down. Yeah. I You're love like, that. You sound like my prime candidate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, if we're lucky enough to make it back, we're definitely gonna holler at you because what we saw in the short time that we fished, and we were there. I think it was 10 days before the lake shut down from COVID. Mm -hmm. So it was that weird, like, 
what's happening? Should we go? Should we not go? Nobody knew. And um, I just think there's so much more to see from the very little that we were there for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we were, we were really lucky. We got a great weather window. So we had an amazing time, but we'd love to go back. So I know a lot of people know about the lake. Will you tell us a little bit, like people know, oh, it's the biggest cutthroat in the States. Mm -hmm. However, there's so much more to it. Yeah, there is. Um, so you kind of already, um, I'm really glad to hear you speaking Paiute, both of you. That's really exciting. Um, so so yeah, Pyramid Lake, our people refer to it as Kuyuipat, or Kui, the, the longer version is Kuyuipat Pananada. And so the Kuiwi or the Kuyui is the Kuiwi fish, the, the sucker fish species um, that have been around for over a million years um, and have existed within this this basin or this watershed for a really long time. Um, and then pot um, or pananada is, is water. Pot is water. Um, pananada is like standing water. And so what it translates into is uh, kwiwi standing water. And so the name itself is, you know, goes directly back to the fish species. And I think really, um, shows how important the fish are to our people, especially um, as far as our identity is concerned. Um, and yeah, you know, when people are, are visiting, I my primary um, method is really to share about the history. Like every single person that I guide is getting a mandatory history lesson and getting mandatory education. Um, and I think that's so important and really critical because um, I, I think of it as like um, just continuing to spread that information and that education. But if I'm sharing stories with people that I'm guiding, you know, they're taking that in and then they're going to share with their relatives or people that they know. So it, it's pretty cool to think of it as like, wow, this information is getting out there um, and it's being shared. Um, but yeah, Kuyuipa is beautiful. It's a 27 mile long. Um, the the widest part is 11 miles and it's really cool because it's the entire lake is within the Pyramid Lake Paiute Reservation and that's actually really rare when you're looking at reservation maps. Um, it's really rare to have an entire like lake especially to be within um, the reservation boundary and so that's really important because that means that the tribe has um, primary like control or they get to oversee how the lake is managed and they get to develop their regulations or have their own water quality standards and their own fisheries. So um, everything is maintained by the Pyramid Lake Paiute tribe. Yeah, like, because there's sp very specific closures for when non-residents of the reservation can come and, and fish, is that right? Yeah, so our fishing season goes from October 1st through June 30th. So. This uh, fishing season actually just wrapped a couple days ago. Um, and once, so I'm learning too, like, uh, and I could share more of this later, but I've really only fished within my homelands. And I'm not a person who necessarily is like traveling to other places throughout the year and trying out different fishing spots. I've always been really content fishing at home, but um you know, since I've been uh, learning to fly fish more, especially, um, I'm learning about different seasons and how, you know, um, 
like we have a winter fishery and when you go to other places it's like the opposite um and i feel like the the fish like the bite is definitely the best here when it's like really cold when it's stormy when it's snowing out um that's the best time to to visit i love that i'm at home in a heavy wading jacket with some <laughs> yeah. what's well, interesting you talked about the name and it comes from the sucker species did i hear mm -hmm. that correct so yep. was that more of a like an important species to the tribe than the cutthroat were? I guess I'm kind of surprised because obviously being recreational biased fishery, mm -hmm. right? like <laughs> we think about the big, beautiful cutthroat trout more than we think of the food base. And I'm, what I'm sure is more of the biomass of the lake being the suckers. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do, you know, because there is so much focus on the the Lahan cutthroat trout um, and people are coming to fish at Kuyuipa for the LCT. Um, and I think it's really important to talk about the sucker fish species because we're actually known as Kuyui Takata, uh, as the Kuyui eaters. And so within like the Great Basin, Northern Nevada area, um, there's different Paiute bands. And so each Paiute band is, um, we identify by what we eat. And so the Pyramid Lake Paiute band is the Kuyui Takata, the Kuyui eaters. But if you go down a little south to Walker Lake uh, Paiute tribe, they're known as the Agai Takata, which is the, the trout eaters. And so um, the trout are still a very important species. And I think, I don't think of it as like one is better than the other, Right. They all serve their purpose. And um, there's other fish species that are also within the lake, um, but they all serve their purpose. And I think for us, especially the, the Kiwi are only found within Pyramid Lake. Um, they're an endemic fish species. And so they're found nowhere else in the world. And so um, they've always been like a huge part of our, our identity and a big part of our um food and they've helped us to survive but um, the trout have also served a big purpose as well that's cool we saw one of the suckers swim by when we were fishing but that was it we yes. were like that's not a trout and then we're like oh yeah, yeah. i mean it is cool i think that we have such a bias as fly fishing recreational anglers right to understandably sort of just think about those recreational species that we're targeting right but they're part of this whole ecosystem of fish in the lake or the river and i think that um, it's cool to hear you say that so do you still eat the suckers at all are they delicious tell me about them i'm curious now yeah they're so they're actually endangered okay that's the they're, they're actually the very first fish listed on the endangered species act after it came out mm -hmm. in 1953 um, and so they're endangered. The Lahunt cutthroat trout are still listed as threatened. Um, and so we can eat the, the trout and we can harvest as many trout as we want as tribal members. Um, there's different rules for non-tribal members. But as far as the, the Kuyui or the Kiwi, um, there's certain times of the year. Um, their spawning season happens uh, usually in like the, in May. Um, but they can be used for eating for like cultural purposes or if there's like a community event or a gathering, we're able to harvest kiwi during that time. But 
it's not a fish that we're able to just you know go catch and then take it home right. because we are endangered that makes sense fascinating mm-hmm. um well we got a little distracted we <laughs> felt like we were um you know on one of your guided trips where we were yeah. history lesson but we do want to just give you a moment to just tell us a fishing story yeah uh, that so that was a little sneak peek of what, <laughs> what it's like to be guided by me <laughs> those are some of the conversations we can have um, um so i kind of want to start out with our fishing story corinne i know and, that's so fun yeah and talk about how we met initially i've been following both of you on social media for for several years now and have been following garrison's artwork and um so I think we well we met last year in May of 2022 and it was at the on the water event um and on the water is an application that you can use to help find different fishing areas or look up the the like the regulations and yeah, it has the clothes and stuff yeah. and put-ins yeah. and public and private and all yeah. that. it allows you to buy fishing permits so um they had invited invited several of us to attend uh this gathering last may and um yeah that's where i met corinne in person and we got to spend some time together and there was an option to either fish by a boat or fish on a boat or fish um, on the shore, just walking the the river. And I'm still like when I'm fishing at home, I only fish the shore and I'm still not a hundred percent comfortable fishing off a boat and I get tangled up and I'm like, you know, off balance sometimes. So I opted (laughs) for the, the waiting, um, part of the the fishing trip and um Corinne and I got to fish with Simon Chu and we were fishing um near Ennis Montana on the Madison River right and then Jack's Creek oh yeah it was Jack's Creek I couldn't remember the little creek that's a good memory yeah (laughs) (laughs) so we were fishing and um so like I said earlier I'm I'm very used to like our set up for for pyramid lake where we have the two-handed switch rod and we're using like you know heavy heavier line and um i'm not as used to using like a single-handed rod and so it was really fun to be able to fish with corinne and simon and um practice my casting with the the single hand and it's way lighter than what i'm used to um, and we had been fishing the Madison and, um, I think you might've had a couple bites. I had one bite. It was so slow for how good the water looked. <laughs> and I had, I like went upstream and you and Simon were downstream and I looked down and I was like, oh my God, where Autumn's fishing right now looks so good. You like had that little foam pile. And I was like, surely she caught something. We just did not see trout in the Madison at all. We didn't. Yeah. So we. we <laughs> it was caught. still kind of high. It was, was a little it like high. Early season. Yeah. It was a little cold, I think, more than high. Right. Um, and so there's a smaller creek next to where we were staying at the lodge, and um, it's called Jack's Creek. And so I think Simon really enjoys fishing those smaller streams. And um, I'll be honest, I looked at that stream and I was like, uh, like I don't think we're gonna catch anything (laughs) or like I'm so used to like fishing this really big lake you know and 
I think stream fishing uh, maybe wasn't as attractive to me. Um, and then all of a sudden, Corinne was fishing and um, her line had went down and she set the hook and she had, um, I think, did we, we only caught browns that day, right? Yeah, we only caught browns. Yeah. And so that got me excited because that was the first <laughs> fish that we had seen all day. And we kept walking the creek. Um, I can't even remember if I caught, I think I only caught the one fish. We each caught or, one. Yeah. And uh, we kind of came around this bend and Simon was feeling really confident. He's like, Autumn, you need to fish this section here. And um, I was following everything he said and he told me to drop my line in the water. And he's like, you're gonna wanna pull your line back slowly as the current's kind of taking it. And he's like, I think there's a fish here. And as soon as he said that, like, I felt something at the other end and I set the hook and it was, um, it was a, a nice brown, a beautiful brown trout. And again, I'm like very spoiled with our Lahan cutthroat trout because I think the smallest, the fish that we consider small are like 17 or 18 inches, right? Yeah. So I don't, I don't have any concept of size. Um, when it comes to other fish species, but um, there was like this commotion and like all of us were screaming and Simon was so impressed at the size of this brown trout, um, especially for this small creek that might have been like 15 feet wide. Um, at its widest. It yeah. was yeah. small. <laughs> really small. And so that was our fishing story. Um, but I have audio too from that trip. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. You did it. We were so excited. It was it was such a fun um a fun moment. Yeah, that was really exciting for me because I think leading up to our fishing day and we just happened to get paired together. I like you had been following you on Instagram for a while and I heard that you were coming on the trip and I was like, oh, how fun. I finally get to meet Autumn IRL, you know? And then we got paired together, which was even more fun. And <laughs> I think we determined maybe you had caught a very small brown trout on your Oregon trip. Was that right? When did, oh no, I caught a small brown in New Mexico. Yeah. So, yeah. but it was very small. Like we're talking like a five, six inch brown, but it was a brown trout for your size reference. Your fish was the best of the three that we caught. I caught one, you caught one, Simon caught one, and yours was the biggest. And it was probably in the 18-inch range. Mm -hmm. For that size of creek, it was so nice and it was so beautiful. And to give you even more credit, the technique that Simon had you doing, it was on the bank that you were standing on. It was an undercut bank. And this is challenging. Like to cast in front of you on the bank where you're standing and then try to hook... <laughs> a fish that eats basically under your foot it's challenging so it was really fun to be a witness to that yeah and i almost fell in too so <laughs> i'll have to send you the audio and maybe you could play it <laughs> but yeah it's, it's really funny and i i like almost fell in and everyone was like um kind of frantic a little bit but then we were able to get the fish in the net i remember seeing the photo and the stoke levels were high yes Yes, <laughs> definitely. It's also funny to hear you talk about like, just not, you know, not being real confident or comfortable fishing a small creek like that, because 
it's the exact opposite of my journey where mm -hmm. I grew up fishing small creeks, right? Yeah. And then when faced with like a big piece of water, like a big lake, I'm like, you know, at first I was like, how do you break this down? Like, this mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. They could Are be there any, even fish Yeah, in they here? could be anywhere. Yeah. I have no confidence in this situation. <laughs> you know, it's the total opposite. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that. Um, I know that with the creek fishing, it's it was um, cool to learn. Like you have to be very precise, right, with your aim and where you're casting. And um, because where I'm at, like there's no bushes, right? There's nothing, there's no kind of like obstacles or um, any trees or bushes in the way to get caught on. Um, the thing you can get caught on is like your ladder chair and and that's about it but maybe that's some tupa rocks here and there um and so it was kind of cool to to fish a creek and to be able to kind of like okay i'm going to aim for that section there and to try to like be very precise with your movement and um, kind of pinpoint that area so i i really did enjoy it like afterward um i admit though in the beginning i was like oh this doesn't look that that fun you know but it was it was fun <laughs> that's great well if you ever make it we're here in colorado if you ever make it here we'll take you on some more streams and lots rivers. of good creeks around here yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely fishing stories is brought to you by lock and co whiskey distilled right here in colorado and finished with hand cut charred colorado aspen wood discs this whiskey is as unique as any trout stream it has now won gold three times in the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. You'll want to grab a bottle for your bar at home or to take on your next adventure. Check it out at your local liquor store or at lockandcodedistilling.com. Lock is spelled with an E. How was last season for you? Some big fish, I'm sure. Tell us a story of a big fish from last season. Yeah, let's see. What's a good one? This past season was really fun. I... You know, when I announced that I was going to be a guide um, in January of 2022, um, I think I had already had people being like, oh, like, good luck, you know, like, good luck getting clients and like, oh, you're going to have a really hard time finding people who want to fish with you and like hearing like this type of feedback. Um, and once I like put it out there, it was just on Instagram and I just started getting like DMs and messages and started getting emails and people were just wanting to like book trips uh, immediately. And so my first fishing season was really amazing. And I had group trips. I had women who are wanting to um, fish, fish with me. And I think the first year I noticed that it was definitely more women who were wanting, who were, who were booking trips and who were fishing with me. And that kind of just confirmed that need for more women guides. And it was cool this last season, um, there was a mixture. There was a mixture of men and women and non-binary people. Um, and it was just really cool to to see like, again, like people were wanting to fish with me and people are wanting to learn. And um, it just, again, shows me that there is a need for tribal guides and a need for um, guides who are indigenous, who do know about the land and the water and, and that history, you know, because it is really important um, for people to, to learn about those things when they're fishing. And I think it just adds to the experience. Um, and so some of the bigger fish that were caught were 
maybe around like 16 pounds, 14 pounds here and there. Um, And just beautiful. And it's just so fun to see not only people just catch big fish, um, because part of my guiding also is to um, kind of just appreciate all the fish, right? Um, Like, yes, the big fish are beautiful, but also like the smaller ones that are like 20 inches are just as beautiful. And there was a lot of times more colorful and more beautiful. Yeah. People who, you know, are learning about how much work has gone into taking care of the fish. Like they're just so much more appreciative um, when they actually get to hold one. Um, And so that's been really exciting. But something that was really cool this season. um, So it was sad. My, uh, my grandma, my dad's mom passed away in February and she was a really strong. um, She was a fluent language speaker. Uh, within our tribe and within our community. And so she spoke the Paiute language really well. And she was a teacher. And I was fortunate, you know, to be able to learn from her from a really young age. And she was just a really special woman. And um, she had so much respect from people in our community. And I remember it was a couple days after she passed and I was out at the lake and I had a, a trip and I decided, you know, I think my grandma would want me to be out here at the lake, um, to be here, um, you know, fishing. I think she would be really happy with that because she worked at the fisheries when she was younger. And there was just like this moment of I was I was guiding and I had um, two of my clients were in front of me and something told me to look up. And when I looked up, there was a bald eagle that was 15 feet above my head. And it kind of just soared above my head and um, flew over me. And then it dipped down into the water and kind of like um, grazed the water just a, a little bit. And then it flew off. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like that was really nice. I've never been that close to a bald eagle before, but something within that just told me like, okay, everything's okay. Like my grandma's doing okay, you know? And after that, um, I somehow started being able to like call, call the fish. And I could say like, Hey, you're going to get a bite soon, like get ready. And then as soon as I verbally say it out loud, like their, their bobber goes down, you know? And I started having these like instances where I would just like, I would call it and I'd be like, okay, like if you don't get anything on, on this bite, we're going to move. And then someone would catch a fish. Um, so it was really exciting. And I would, every time it would happen, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like, how did that happen? How did I, how did I call that? You know? And there was one day, one of my, um, I was fishing with a friend and we were both on our ladders and same thing. I was like, Hey, get ready. Like you're going to get a bite. And then she got a bite and we were both like just laughing and happy. And then, um, I was fishing and the same thing. I was like, I feel it. Like, I feel like it's going to happen. And then I got a bite and, um, caught the fish and released it. And I was just like, thank you, Puckwee. You know, thank you, Trout. Thank you for, for everything, for taking care of us. And, um, I threw out my line again and, Um, as soon as I said, thank you, like another trout just like came and bit my line. So it was really, um, it was, that was really exciting for me and kind of just reminded me like, you know, 
um, we do have like a, a connection to that to those fish, you know, and I really do feel like the fish appreciate everything that has been done. Like, there's a lot of work that goes into um, caring for them, you have the work of the fisheries, but then you also have like, you know, the the water rights that need to be protected and maintained as well. And so there's just so much that goes into caring for the fish. And so um, that was really exciting for me. Um, and it would just happen, you know, not every single day, but like multiple times um, throughout the season. And it, it was really special. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. I think, you know, more and more for us, we obviously care about the fishing and the fish and don't get me wrong, I want to try to catch a big fish, right? But we also understand that, you know, we travel a lot to fly fish and to mm -hmm. learn about places. And it's, it's one thing that it's like an excuse and a lens to go to an amazing place and immerse yourself in that place and learn more about that place too. Mm -hmm. um, and that piece of, of the fishing experience really makes it a lot more valuable. Yeah, and you kind of, you put yourself in the place and you notice all the things. You, you know that we're bird watchers too. So we've yeah. got the bird watching and the fly. <laughs> like as soon as you just kind of zone in on your surroundings instead of the distractions, um, it's pretty special. These are, these are a lot of the reasons we love to fish. It's, yeah, we do like catching big fish, but <laughs> <laughs> it's also just the whole thing. Yeah, I think uh, Pyramid Lake, if you're into fishing and bird watching, can be hard because there's so many different bird species flying around. And it's like you're yeah. supposed to be looking at your bobber or you're supposed to be paying attention to your line. And that could be, yeah, the, the um, birds could be distracting sometimes. Oh, it gets in <laughs> a lot. Don't yeah. worry. I'm like, oh, what is that? Is that a hawk? Oh, where's my bobber? Oh, <laughs> yeah. shit. Well, I remember at Pyramid Lake specifically, there was a grebe that just kept coming into the cove where we were fishing and um i like kept stop looking at my bobber and watching the grebe and it was swimming and hunting and then like luckily the fish were being very generous that day and just like setting themselves yeah but i was legitimately <laughs> distracted <laughs> those grebes will just swim right up to you too oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was, um, there was actually, you know, I had some friends, um, some clients who um, are like avid birders. And it was nice because we would go out in the mornings and if it was like a slow day of fishing where they would be like, hey, can you take us to some birding spots? And so we had a couple days where we were able to do like a hybridized fishing and birding. And that was really cool. That was a lot of fun. I'm like, oh, I should like have this be an option you know, Absolutely. where you can do both um, because, yeah, Pyramid Lake is like a, a huge, you know, migratory area for birds and a big flyway. Um, yeah, it's really important. Yeah, yeah, I think it's part of the Pacific Flyway. So there's a lot of different species that are coming and going throughout the year. Well, we joke with all of the fly fishing guides that we've ever had that they should also be bird watching guides. Not just for us, but it is like when the fishing's a little slow. Like, what is the person going to ask about? Everything else that's around. And there are always birds around. Like, what's that one? What's that? What does that do? <laughs> I will say, too, um, the, I agree with the birding. We should all be trained in, in birds as well. You know, <laughs> no guide. 
Um, and this season I did only fall once at the lake. So I thought that was pretty good. We can call that a success. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. I, um, it's funny cause I didn't really grow up wearing waders at all. And I would just go out with like my, my tennis shoes or my jeans, you know, and would fish from the shore. And it wasn't until I got waders where I was like starting to fall into the water more. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of funny, but you get a little bit more bold. I find that I wade a lot more boldly when I'm wearing waders yeah. and I'm really careful if I'm not, which is really silly because <laughs> I don't really want to fall no matter what I do. Garrison falls all the time. I fall all the time, but I'm an aggressive <laughs> waiter. So I don't mind falling a little bit. I mean, I don't want to go down too hard, but I also like push the envelope on my waiting style, especially in moving water. It's true. That's good. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I've been told I'm a very graceful faller. <laughs> that is something that I've never heard. So yeah, you're doing yeah. way better than me. When I go down, I go down like a saga hammer. Yeah. Um, it's been really exciting because I don't, where did you two fish when you visited? Oh gosh. We did really well on Pelican, I know. Okay. And then some other kind of points, they were just like trying to find some space and kind of hang out a little bit. But Pelican, we had one afternoon where it was like that, like, just like you were saying, like cloudy kind of storm came in, was like beautiful chop on the lake that, that bobber down chop. And we just got into them that afternoon. It was great. It was really good. Well, it was really funny. You say there's like not a lot to get caught on, but I just kept getting caught on this one rock, mm-hmm. like, you know, like drifting through the current and it's like every time just stuck on the rock, stuck on the rock. And I was like, okay, my rock's coming up. Like, here it comes, get ready. And my bobber shot down and mm-hmm. I was like, that's not a rock. Boom. And it was a fish instead. So <laughs> it was the right line. I just had to avoid the rock a tiny bit. Yeah. I, Pelican is a great place to fish during that time of year. And it was really cool. I went back. um, That's mostly where I would guide people as well. Um, That's one of the spots. But there's a rock that I like to fish fish on. And you have to wade through the water to get to it. Um, And there was always like this little twofer rock that would stick out um, that you can kind of lean on, you know, to get to this larger rock that's further out. And I went back there in May, um, and this was probably only like a three-week difference from the last time I was out there, but within three weeks, that rock that I used to lean on was like fully submerged under the water, and so we had such a big winter, and I'm sure you all did too, um, but there's so much water coming down the river, um, coming down the Truckee River right now, and and that's where, that's our primary water source. So it's really cool to see that the levels have already come up quite a bit. I was going to ask about that. That's really good to hear because I know you guys got so much snow, so much water. So that's, that's great because I know levels have been coming down in recent history. Yeah. It's nice to see a big push of fresh water coming in like that. Yeah. So in uh, 2017 is when we, the last time we had a really big snowfall and a, a lot of water. And I think the the lake came up quite a bit. Um, and so we're kind of expecting it to, to rise even more because there's still a lot of snow in the Sierra Nevada right now. Um, so I'm saying that because I think next year will be another great fishing season. So you two should come this way when you get a chance. I know you all have a busy schedule, but 
I think the fishing is going to be really good. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Well, speaking of that, will you tell people how they can reach out to you to come book a trip? Sure. So um, my guide business is called Kuyuipa Guides. And I named it Kuyuipa Guides because I wanted people to speak Paiute when they're saying my business name. Uh, just like you two did in the beginning. Um, but my I'm on Instagram. I also have a website. Um, it's www.kuyuipaguides.com. Um, and it's K-O-O-Y-O-O-E-P-A-A is how you spell it. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram. My personal um, Instagram handle is Numa Wanderer, N-U-M-U underscore Wanderer. Um, and Numu is how we refer to ourselves as like Paiute people. Great. And I will put links in the like description of the episode so that people can reach it easily as well. Cool. Yeah. I have a website and Instagram page. And, um, if you go to the website, everything's linked on there as well. And yeah, I'm really grateful for you all, uh, for having me on your podcast. Well, we're grateful it's that been, you took the time. Yeah, it's been so fun talking to you, and we are going to try to get down and, and fish with you here soon. And if you find yourself in Colorado, like Corinne said, yeah, come on up and, and we'll we'll fish some creeks or rivers or lakes and anything in between. That sounds great. Um, when is the best time to, to fish where you're all at? Well, oddly enough, like starting now. Okay. So, <laughs> your season ends. I mean, it's good. We can fish year round. Yeah, um, but right now we're coming into like good dry fly season mm-hmm. on a lot of the rivers and creeks. So yeah. that's as the soon most as fun. runoff starts to kind of taper down, it really becomes sort of prime time for most of our streams and rivers around here. Okay, cool. Well, um, we have yeah, I would love to to fish some more streams and practice doing that some more because that's a lot of fun. Yeah, there we go. Well, that sounds so <laughs> fun. Thanks again for taking the time. Yeah, thank you. All right, cheers. Bye.